Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Welcome to 2017 of Mission Unstoppable Radio. It's just so fantastic to be back here again this year with all of you. And I want to thank you for joining me and sticking around. It's just amazing. Today, as usual, we are going on a Mission Unstoppable. And I have two guests with me today. Alicia Kershaw is here and Saul Reicher is with us as well. Alicia graduated with a law degree from Yale in 1978. She's had what a wonderful life this woman has had. Uh, she she practiced employee benefits law for 20 years. She moved to uh, Merrill Lynch as director. She actually went to um, Hong Kong with her husband where she retired. But before she did that, she served and mentored women attorneys, served on boards of nonprofits with Washington Historical Society, the Discovery Creek Children's Museum. She became a championship amateur dragon boat team member. She traveled, she wrote, she hiked. Uh, she's just absolutely incredible. Um, she sat on the boards of the American Women's Association, the Financial Women's Association of Hong Kong, uh, the Women's Foundation of Hong Kong. Returning to New York, she became um, involved with a nonprofit management at Harvard Business, and she is a um, a co-founder of Gallup New York City, which is why we are here today to talk about therapeutic horseback riding program that started in New York City, for which she is the executive director. So we are going to welcome Alicia in just a moment. Also joining us is Saul Reicher. He has also spent 25 years um, as a specialist on the American Stock Exchange, and his daughter Lauren was born with CP in 2000. He is uh, so he sits on the board of Gallup New York, he's a volunteer, and he is a parent of, of a child who is utilizing um, this wonderful therapeutic system. So welcome, both of you. I, nice to have you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited. When I heard, when, when I heard about Gallup New York City, uh, I was very, very excited because you know, horses are near and dear to my heart. I've always um, enjoyed them and loved them, uh, near and afar. And so, Alicia, my question to you was, as a young girl, were you horse crazy like most young girls? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I grew up on a farm, and um, we had horses. I actually fox hunted, if you can believe it. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, when I was a preteen, my father uh, basically rescued, raised him from a, a weanling and, um, you know, not, not into any great horse by any means, just to have fun with. So I've had horses in my life as a young person for a long time. And since I had the real ones, mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of the uh, horse crazy, um, right. you know, <laughs> my little pony stuff. But um, yeah. A lot of I was going to be a jockey. I was going to be a jockey. That was the first thing, and then a vet. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I, I was um, not small enough to be a jockey, and, and I'm old enough that women were not jockeys when I was uh, of that age. So uh -huh. I was discouraged from that, and I also 
also wanted to be a, a large animal vet, and I was discouraged from that, so I had to go be a lawyer, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do that, too, until until the one day the vet came to the farm, because I also grew up on a farm, and he took the horns off one of the cows, and I just thought that was just so cruel, and I just, I go, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like, I couldn't go to a farm and do that, so that was the end of that big dream. <laughs> okay, so let's let's go back. Let's go back. We'll save Gallup. We'll save Gallup for a little bit, um, and let's talk to you uh, about growing up. In, so was law on, on the horizon for you? Was that something that's in your family, becoming a lawyer? Did you follow a tradition? Um, well, sort of, yeah. My, my um, mother's fa- father's family had been lawyers in New York for quite a while, uh, for a couple, couple of generations, actually. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It was just, you know, honestly, um, in my era, I'm in my early 60s, uh, I wanted to be a lawyer, so I had a credential. Mm-hmm. So that people couldn't really question as a woman whether I was capable because I had, you know, graduated from law school and passed the bar. So at least there was a, a certain level of inescapable, uh, indisputable um, ability there. So that was, um, I think, a lot of it. And I, I, I like to argue with people. <laughs> I like that, too. Well, debate. How's that? Debate. With yeah, debate to argue. <laughs> And, you have done so many amazing things. I mean, I can't believe all, you know, you, you wrote a hiking guide. You are an auxiliary New York City Parks Enforcement Mounted Patrol Officer. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you serve on the Leadership Council of Harvard Divinity School. Like, these are all very exciting and interesting things to do. I mean, wow. <laughs> well, I did. Um, I did. You sound like me. <laughs> When I went to Hong Kong, uh, which was, you know, I was actually what they call a trailing spouse, um, it, I I just had took the opportunity to try a lot of things I hadn't really had time to do before. I went to law school, and then I married in law school. And I had kids. Those were all great things, but yeah. Um, uh, it, Moving overseas really freed me up to have a lot of fun um, with a lot of different things. And so that's that's really how a lot of those um, things I've done happened when I had I had uh, kind of an enforced break from my legal career. Well, we have Saul on. Saul Reicher, welcome. We did introduce you already. Hi. <laughs> Just so you know. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, the question I had asked you when we found that you were missing was, had you had a relationship with horses before Gallup, New York City? For me? Yeah. No, I did not have a relationship with horses. I came into Gallup recommended by um, um, the head of NYU uh, Hospital Rusk Center, recommended for me to take my, my daughter, Lauren, who was three and a half years old, and um, wasn't able to walk or crawl, and she had no trunk control. And they strongly recommended therapeutic riding, and uh, and we were excited to try it. Wow, um, I can just imagine what you and your wife thought when they said that. Yes, we thought it was funny, <laughs> but um, um, we. Knew but she's turned into a quite the equestrian, your daughter. Yes, uh, uh, Lauren won the Hampton Classic uh, Grand Champion uh, this past summer in the disability um, division, and it was incredibly exciting. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's a dream come true for her. That's fantastic. When did, when did Gallup start, Alicia? We started in uh, 2005, and it, um, 
actually Saul's daughter Lauren was one of the first children I ever worked with uh, as a volunteer at that time. Uh, but we were we were involved with a small program on the Upper West Side, and we felt that there was uh, really the potential to do a, a great deal more. And so we decided it was one of those how hard can it be moments, which, (laughs) 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 you know, you sort of rue the day, although it's been a fabulous experience. But uh, we started out, it took us a couple of years to find a stable that would uh, work for us. And we started working with a small stable in um, near Prospect Park, Brooklyn, that we've now don't actually use anymore because it's kind of a rundown place but that was where we got started and then we we knew from the very beginning that we need we there was a lot of demand and we wanted to grow so we've just been on a um mission to serve as many riders as we can ever since and then uh saul has helped us very much in finding um we now have two locations of our own just brand new and saul has helped us um find those locations so that's been a huge um new development for gallup this just this winter yeah you just you just um got a new location and it sounds fantastic and i think i read that you have 900 people on your waiting list yeah and it's all word of mouth yeah it's um and we have 450 riders so it's not like we're not um you know serving quite a few people but uh, we we have a lot of people who have contacted us and asked for lessons. Of course, there's you know we're in New York City, which has yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> it is a lot of people. Part of and it. so, what is the, the is there an age requirement? Like, is there an age that you won't bring people on, like past eighteen, or is it open to anybody with a disability? It's open to anybody with a disability. Most of our riders are children, 95%. We have some adults with disabilities, and we also work with uh, veterans, wounded veterans, who obviously are adults. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's largely um, children, largely young children. We start at four. We work with a physical therapist who will take kids as young as 18 months. Uh, And then um, we do have kids now with us who started in 2006 or 7 you know who started as 7 year olds and are now young adults so it's been uh, been fun to watch them grow up I can imagine <laughs> how many horses in total are working with 450 people well um, it, it that's sorry a little hard ah, sorry <laughs> we have 25 horses of our own now okay i would say it's probably three dozen horses that we work with because it's at the sites that we don't own we work with horses that uh, that are owned by the commercial stables that we work that we rent by the hour so we'll work right. with great horses at um, other stables in the city and then we have 25 of our own now so do therapy horses go through what therapy dogs go through is it any anywhere near the same? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. I'm not 100% sure what therapy dogs training is, but it's certainly not like a seeing eye dog. Um, but we we look for older horses, quiet horses. A lot of our horses, almost all of our horses are rescues. Um, oh, nice. So we, we take horses on what I like to think of as their last career. 
Okay. Well, I'm going to stop you right there because we are going to go to a commercial break. I think it's a good place to stop uh, because okay. when we come back, we can we can hear more about the kinds of horses um, that you work with. We can hear about the kinds of people that you work with and children that you work with and the volunteers, especially them because they're the, probably the most important part of of all of that. They, they, they keep everything running. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Alicia Kershaw and Saul Reicher are with us from Gallup, New York City. Yes. Thank you. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids. His dogs love it, too. Last night, I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutiphobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Most of the time, exercise rejuvenates you and increases your energy. But every once in a while, you may find that you're feeling tired in your workout, and every movement is an effort. My advice is simple. Turn up the music. Listening to fast-paced, uplifting music can really be helpful. According to the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology, your overall endurance improves by 15% when you exercise to music. So put on your preferred playlist or turn the radio up and treat yourself to a great workout while listening to your favorite music. The pulsating beat and uplifting lyrics can truly spur you on to complete your exercise and also to get an outstanding workout. Turn up the music and turn up the energy and motivation. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. And we are back at Mission Unstoppable Radio. And that's Bongo the Golden. He's, he's talking. He says, we're back. <laughs> and, and my guest today, Alicia Kershaw and Saul Reicher from Gallup, New York City. Before we took our break, we were talking about horses, the kinds of horses that you work with. You said that they were rescues, which I love, that they're a little bit older, they're sound, they've got quiet temperaments, so they, they must for, you know, helping children and um, with disabilities. But one of the things that I was reading, um, Alicia and Saul, was that the kids, um, you know, that you work with, they're walking it helps the, the therapy, the equine therapy helps them to walk and talk, which is very interesting. So how does that, how does that translate? Well, I'll let Saul speak to that because his daughter um, did ha- does have mobility issues, so he can talk to the walking part, I think. Well, when I came there the very first time, um, we were very excited. My daughter was three and a half years old. She was unable to walk. Um, she was unable to hold her body in place. She had trunk issues. And uh, 
Her legs were literally one. They, they didn't separate um, oh. forward or back or sideways. And um, I suggested that we take the saddle off the horse and hold her up on her knees. And when I lifted her to put her on the horse, it was the first time ever that her legs opened. I mean, they automatically the width of a horse. It was unbelievable. It was to date the most um, um, uh, miraculous, miraculous thing that's happened with all the therapy. And we were doing 22, 23 hours a week in therapy. Oh, and, wow. And she loved it. And um, the uh, Ben, the uh, the uh, the instructor um, worked with Lauren for years and came to me suggesting, um, as my daughter was improving, that if I was willing to work with him a little bit harder, he'd be able to um, work with Lauren to get it to a level that she could actually walk, trot, canter, and do small jumps on her own. And we've been doing that ever since. It was amazing. And um, I, I love the fact that, that you know, that now it's our chance to give back and, and bring this and wake up families and get, you know, families all together by, by helping improve whoever is coming from their family. Um, so what is it about the horses? I know, you know, they're, they're, they're prey animals, and I know that, that they really are all for one and one for all when they're in a group. Like they, you know, it's kind of like no man is left behind. So what is it about horses that, that, these p kids respond to then well horses are because they are prey animals they are very very um perceptive they're they're mm -hmm. in hyper alert mode uh, quite similar to people on the spectrum actually mm -hmm. and also to our veterans with pts are are basically in hyper alert mode all the time and horses are are hyper aware of their mm -hmm. circumstances and sometimes a horse will react to something that the people around it haven't even noticed mm -hmm. uh, and so they're also, they're, they give a very immediate um, and very clear response. If you do something that a horse doesn't like, it's not going to do anything cruel to you, but it will let you know, it'll put its ears back, it'll move away. Mm. So uh, it's a very, um, a very rewarding, instantaneous communication um, that goes on. And, and for just over half our riders on the autism spectrum, and many of them are not verbal. So they are in a nonverbal communication realm, and they seem to take naturally to the nonverbal communication with the horses. I think it's also just um, fun, as, as Saul said, but it's yeah. very empowering. A lot of our, our kids are not really able to do much by themselves they have people constantly around them and helping them and when they get on a horse they can manage that horse or seem to by themselves i mean we have people around them and leading the horse is a lot of safety backups from, from the perspective of the child they're sitting on this large animal they're making asking this large animal to do things the animal's responding it's a very very um powerful feeling that uh, a lot of our kids don't get to experience in any other context and just being able to move just must be feel so satisfying to them. Yes. But, you know, horses, horses are, you know, they've always been uh, a rich man's sport, especially in the city. So it must cost a fortune, you know, to house these horses and feed the horses. Uh, do you charge for the families or is this all donations? Well, we do. We have a, a sliding scale 
tuition yeah. policy. So many of our families can afford our fees, but those who can't, we subsidize. We are fortunate to have an extremely generous board, very generous foundation donors and individual donors who give us the funds so that we can subsidize the cost. About 80% of our riders are subsidized in whole or in part. We focus on low and maybe moderate income families. We work with schools, of, all, of the schools we work with, 85% of the kids are eligible for school lunch, which is a common um, low income indicator. Sure. Um, we, you know, it, it actually, people of means can travel out of the city to ride and they can afford to ride or even lease a horse. But people right. of low and moderate income don't have those options. And that's why we think it's really important to be in the city where the kids are and give them access. Our fees are um, about half to two thirds of the costs of the actual cost. So we subsidize every rider as well. And that's really because um, among the many things we've realized about families who have a disabled child is that it's very expensive and the costs are not covered by insurance right. or social services. So the families with children with a disability are under huge financial stress. And we see as part of our mission is helping to uh, relieve that stress a little bit by making this available to them in an affordable way. I'm not sure if I asked this question. I think maybe in a roundabout, but I don't think we I, I clarity on it. How at least I mean you had this idea. Like I'm gonna go to New York City, I'm gonna co found this this therapeutic riding school. Like where did that come from? Do you have a That's... disabled child? No, no. Okay. Uh, okay. It, it does seem to be a little bit of a wacky idea. Random? <laughs> yeah, yeah wacky. I love the idea. It's just, you know, here's this lawyer from Harvard, you know, Yale. Yeah, uh, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. You did go to Harvard just or something, though, didn't you? No, yeah. I, I'm involved in the Divinity School at yeah. Harvard, but I as a supporter, so an understandable confusion. But those of us at Yale do not like to be. Uh, no, of course. <laughs> I was. Um, I had been in in Asia, and I had been exposed to uh, therapeutic riding in Asia. And I, like many many people involved in Gallup, I had gone to see the program because I was interested in spending time with horses. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the effect that the horses had on the children, I became much more interested in that side of it. And we we have a little saying that people come for the horses and they stay for the kids. And that yeah. I'm a, a very good e example of that. Uh, when I came back to New York, I I was I actually tried to uh, go back to law, and I was talking to my old law firm, and I just really had a hard time um, convincing myself that that's what I wanted to do. And uh, initially, I think the Gallup thing was kind of a temporary transitional. Let me do this for a little while. In fact, I even remember saying to people, "Look, I'll run it until we find someone else." You know, here we are. 12 years later, and uh, I'm still <laughs> running it. But it's so I can't say I can't claim any great, um, you know, strategic, uh, strategic vision as to where that I would still be doing this 10 years later. But it's been um, incredibly rewarding on every conceivable level. It's been a huge growth experience for me personally. I've met and connected with so many people I would never have met with and I get to hang around with horses you know what yeah that's a lot of fun yeah I New York City and play with you yeah so, so like your daughter has gone beyond competing in a disabled arena to to competing with you know able-bodied like that's phenomenal well she does a little competing just a little bit it's mostly the fun of riding competing yeah. is, a, is a small part 
Um, but but I used to compete, and I know I know how much fun that is. But how yeah, many other children were had the kind of um, let's say I don't know, want to call it recovery, but but uh, strategic rise, let's say, um, from where they started to to where they ended up, like, like your daughter after so many years. Well, we've are, had are a there, handful. Sir? Sorry, Saul. Go ahead. No, good. We've had a handful of kids um, that are are competing now. We've we've really just started, um, I think, two years ago, to put together a competitive team, mm-hmm. and um, we we do have about six kids on that team right now. There are more um, involved with Gallup who could. Um, could compete on that level we you know again it competing is expensive um, right. you, need, you need the clothes you need the fees you need often when our riders compete they're at another facility we have to rent the horse uh-huh. so um we, we you know we've we've been raising money for competing specifically um i have been really interested to see how positively our riders um, respond to competing they they really do enjoy it what we do have um, is a uh, horse show, we call it, every summer, every June on Father's Day, usually. Oh, fun. Where, yeah, where we ask um, a good number of our kids to come and show off a skill. It's not a horse show in a traditional sense of a, mm-hmm. you know, competing in a class. But they come and they ride. They show a skill. It's very public. It's in the middle of Central Park. So uh, we have entered uh, the competing world a little bit that way. And then we've now started this team. I would say possibly 10% of our kids um, could compete on the disability circuit or would be interested, um, maybe even more. Um, it's something that, that we're finding they're enjoying, so I think we'll continue to expand that. Um, do you think up. any of them could do it like a Paralympic? Well, you know, um, yes, but um, like everything, Paralympic has now become um, – really a high level of competition and so you'd really you know there might be a six-year-old out there right now who might want to go that way but um for most of our riders because we're focused on the low-income um end of this uh, economic spectrum i think special olympics would be a little bit tough but we would certainly encourage encourage our riders to do that and we are connected with the um, Special Olympics and the para- Paralympics people. So we're, you know, we're definitely keeping that in mind. I just thought maybe, like, we're going to go to a commercial break shortly, but I thought, wow, you know, if you had like a, a an Olympian, like the money would pour in maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one way to do it, I guess. I don't know. But, but uh, yeah, there's lots more to talk about with Gallup New York City. I know. So we're going to come back in, in just a few minutes and, and talk to Alicia and, and Saul a little bit more about what it takes to be a volunteer. Because I'm sure that you're listening and going, gee, I want to be a volunteer. What do I have to do? Well, when we come back, we'll tell you what you have to do. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the other benefits to the children. If you have, if you have a child um, who, who is disabled and you're thinking about maybe this, maybe we can tell you where there's a program in your area. Uh, we'll help you. Don't worry. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating. And exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. 
one hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Have you ever wondered what happens in your body when you exercise? Discovery Health explains that the muscles provide the strength, power, and endurance to do the movements and exercises. Enzymes within the muscles mobilize various fuels to provide ATP to meet the energy demands of the working muscle. The heart and the blood vessels increase the blood flow to deliver more oxygen to the working muscles. And the lungs increase the rate of breathing to deliver more oxygen to the muscle. The more often you exercise, the more conditioned you become. On the other hand, lack of training causes them to atrophy. So don't settle for being a couch potato. It's time to get your body moving. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. And we're back. You're listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. My guests today are Alicia Kershaw and Saul Reicher from Gallup, New York City. Before I went to break, I was mentioning about volunteering. Maybe you want to be a volunteer uh, with a stable like Gallup, New York City, and help children with disabilities. Saul, tell us, what do you need to do in order to be a volunteer? Now, you guys have over 700 active volunteers. Phenomenal. What did you do we to get volunteers- them all? in the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, and uh, for events that we have in Manhattan. So we have lots of volunteers all over the city. Um, I volunteer in, uh, in, in, in Cortland Park in the Bronx at Riverdale Riding. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, autistic children come from a, a special school from the city of New York. And usually about... Um, Two to five of the children that come are classified as completely nonverbal. And by the fifth week of classes, um, usually two of the children actually begin to speak for the first time. Their words are, whoa, walk on, trot. And when that first happens, they have an aide, they'll have a teacher, they come running out into the ring with their cameras to videotape it, they're... They're crying. They can't wait to tell their family. And this transfers immediately back to school, immediate back to siblings, immediate back to the parents, and it expands greatly from there. The what a whole win. Group of, if we take a group of 20 children that come in and they, they enjoy it and they love it and they want to come back and they want to pay attention, that paying attention to an instructor from the riding leads to paying attention to everything else that they do. And it's amazing to see, and that draws volunteers. I can imagine. And I bet it draws money, too. Hopefully. (laughs) In the past, when I've been raising money for for Gallup, I would 
100%, I would say, every single dime that that I brought to Gallup has gone to offset the cost of riding. Doesn't mm -hmm. offset um, our office or mailings or it, it, most of that's offset by our board. So when people volunteer and they want to know what happens to their money, it goes for exactly what they want. It brings people riding. I just love that. So um, your instructors need to be PATH certified. Can you explain what that is, Alicia, please? So it's a, a process of about six months to a year, assuming you have the ability to ride. Um, mm -hmm. You you take some online tests that are related to PATH standards, PATH requirements, which are primarily safety oriented, um, what kind of equipment you need, what kind of a setup in your arena, that sort of thing. And then you also take an online test that has to do with um, understanding disabilities and what how horse riding horses can relate to disabilities. Then you enter a, a period of mentored teaching, which I believe you have to do 25 hours of mentored teaching. And that's a pretty good way to make sure it's something you want to do. Mm -hmm. And then you are required to take a two-day workshop, again, covering safety standards, techniques for working with people with disabilities, characteristics of, of various disabilities, and what we call contraindications. Um, there are certain kinds of disabilities that require a higher level of, um, of, of care or screening, um, stents, for example, shunts, um, mm -hmm. uh, people with Down syndrome sometimes have a neck instability that we have to watch out for, so those sorts of things. And then after the workshop, you take a riding test and you also take a teaching test. So you teach a sample lesson and are, are rated on that and, and have to pass, and then you have to ride a pattern. Uh, and pass that. Now they don't. They're not looking for um, you know highly professional, um, fancy riders. They're Just looking for skills. <laughs> right, exactly. Thank God, because I wouldn't have made it. Uh, but they're looking for people that can handle a horse competently and understand um, horse behavior. Path emphasizes quite a bit. Um, proper care of horses. You know, mm -hmm. even though our mission is working with children with disabilities, we want to do it in a way that really respects and cares for horses. And, and one of Gallup's own values is to have the highest level of horsemanship standards that we can. So it's it, the riding part, the horse part is is very well. They're important. a team. Yeah, absolutely. Horses to be in good shape. Yeah, for be, sure. They have to be matched. Your horse has to be happy, content. You know, there's the horses is the most important thing we have. And if the horse yeah. isn't, isn't well and happy, then it's not going to work. So are, are they all English saddles or do you mix them up, English Western or? We most, because we're on the East Coast, um, most of our staff were trained in English riding. Mm -hmm. Um, much to the annoyance of our director of operations, who is a tech <laughs> <laughs> and did uh, roping in college. Yeah, um, yes. so he, he sometimes does um, bridle at this a little bit, to use another horse pun. Um, there's nothing wrong with Western riding, and we do ha have um, some Western saddles, and we will occasionally use them. But um, the English seat does put a little more pressure. Um, it's not really the word I want, but does make the rider... Um, pay more attention to their posture, yes. a little harder to yeah. kind of relax. But, but the narrowness of it must be easier, I think. 
you know, yeah. like, and it's hard to open your legs and at least it's a lot easier not to be like a barrel to have just a, a, a narrower yeah. seat. And the, and the weight of the set of a Western saddle, you know, we do have to take them on and put them back off, yeah. take them off, put them back on a lot. Some of our riders ride on a bareback pad or da, da, da. So manhandling those big saddles is tough. And the horn of a Western saddle can be um, in the way a little bit. Yep. So. But we definitely have riders who um, do better in a Western saddle, and we're very happy to use it. And the reining between the two, I always thought for years that there was a big difference between English and Western mm-hmm. reining. But mm-hmm. we've been working with an expert horse trainer who has showed me that really, the conceptually, the reining is, is very, very similar. So that's been a, an So you're not doing neck reining? When we have a Western rider, we do neck reining, okay. and um, it's you know. But the and some of our kids actually, I have taught kids in English saddles neck reining because they don't have the dexterity to do handle two reins. Right. Uh, they have the dexterity to move the, their hands back, you know, across the horse's sure. neck in a neck reining environment. So I should mention that, almost with maybe one or two exceptions, when our riders are riding a horse and using reins, it's not connected to a bit. We don't use bits. We use a um, Monty Roberts, if I can use a product placement, halter with a double nose band. So oh, that okay. a lot of our riders don't have a very subtle uh, hand. Right. And right. so this way they're not yanking on a horse on a bit in a horse's mouth. They're just pulling um, uh, on a nose band. And so um, we're very comfortable giving our riders the reins because they can't really... Um, do it. It's gentle. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. Mm. I like how you look after your horses (laughs) and your riders. (laughs) Um, Gallup New York city helps the children. How do you help the families? Well, There, we've actually, this is another area that we've been moving into more, and, and Saul might have a few comments on it too, to try and um, offer family resources. And we're, we right now have a small focus group of parents that we're talking with about what resources they might want. Mm-hmm. But essentially, um, having, I think our families get a lot of benefit from coming to Gallup in a very supportive, upbeat environment. They see their children do well. I had one parent who came one afternoon and said, you know, everyone in my office is going to watch their kids play soccer. And she said, well, I told them this is my version of soccer. You know, my kid will never play soccer, but I can come cheer my kid on riding. And I think that's an example of the positive feeling that parents do get when they uh, when their children are are able to to be in this very supportive, positive environment. Now, I can imagine, I can just think of my kids because I know how they were. And, you know, if one had a burger, the other had to have a burger. So when, when there's a family of, you know, with different with young children and the brother, sister's on a horse, um, how many of them are like, I want to ride too. Can I get on the horse? How I difficult. can't believe I can't believe you said that because we, we <laughs> because of that, we have a sibling riding program where like, we offer discounted lessons to siblings. And yeah. one of the somewhat unexpected consequences of that is that it's enabled children, siblings in some of our families to have a connection that they didn't have before. Mm. Uh, it's something they can do together, which is not, there are not a lot of things that yeah. um, kids can do together when one sibling is seriously disabled. And sometimes the kid with a disability, at least initially, is better at riding than the than the other <laughs> sibling. So it's, it's really a, a powerful 
um, experience. Plus, it um, gives the parents a break. <laughs> yeah, we've heard yeah. of families right. going on on a riding <laughs> vacation where nice. the, the, where our student is is the best rider of the group. Isn't that fun? That's fun. Yeah, I and like for that. The parents that come, um, you know, people like myself who, who you know who are a parent of a child and you've been through this for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, they have questions. They they want information about what's to come. What have we seen that's been different? And mm -hmm. you know, we just tell everybody what you know what's happened with us. So, would would a rider have the same horse every week? Like, you know, would they build that bond with that with that same horse, or would they uh, not necessarily have the same one and have to, you know, make a new we, relationship every week? We encourage that. We can't always produce that, um, but we do encourage. Um, that to so that kids do bond with their horse because that is really a big part of it um, developing empathy through um, caring about your horse seeing the world through your horse's perspective or what what we think is the horse's perspective and um, kids really do I mean we had this one girl who's um, a friend of Saul's daughter actually who lives in Chinatown and informed me that she had figured out how to have a horse in her Chinatown apartment <laughs> and I, I thought I had the killer response which is you know how are you going to get it up to your apartment and she said service elevator <laughs> she had it all worked out they're just too clever aren't they oh I love that I but they got many, many kids. That's my horse. That horse knows me. That horse loves me. That horse recognizes me. They really do um, attach to the horse, and that's an important part of it for us. So with, with the kids who are able, um, are they encouraged to, to groom the horse after their, their ride, or can they do that? Oh, yeah. Groundwork yeah. is a big part of our, of our lessons, and um, we find when kids do that, the connection with the horse is strengthened immensely. Uh, lead, walking the horse, leading the horse is a big um, pre-step to steering, sitting on a horse and steering it. It helps them understand mm -hmm. the, the connection between them and the horse. I just love it. What a fantastic program. You guys are um, very, you know, I, we're fortunate that you started a program like that. And I know that the children are, are very fortunate, but it's it's an amazing idea, especially in the city uh, where, where kids don't get to see animals. Even we're going to go to a commercial break, our last break. And when we come back, we'll be back with Alicia and Saul. And we'll talk a little bit more about Gallup, New York City. Don't, Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's words you never heard. Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids, as dogs love it too. Last night I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If you are a woman and have always longed for lean legs, tight buttocks, sinewy arms, and a stately posture, then bar classes may be just what you're looking for. The Bar Method program focuses on elongating muscles and burning fat, and some think it's similar to interval training because the body switches from intense exercise to stretching, which results in sculpted muscles and an increase in the burning of fat calories. The routine is made to give everyone access to a ballerina body. This ballet-based workout is becoming very popular, and according to the New York Times, it is a tough exercise routine. Seasoned ballerinas and even top athletes find their muscles burning when doing these classes. So if you are looking to tighten your derriere, elongate your muscles, and improve your posture, check out bar classes. They may be perfect for you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. You stuck around and you get rewarded. <laughs> Mission Unstoppable Radio. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. I haven't changed. And our guests today are still Alicia Kershaw and Saul Reicher from Gallup, New York City. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, the two places um, that that they have acquired now. So spring and summer, winter, fall, they are riding. But they have um, a lot. They got, like, I think, Saul, did you say 450 riders right now? A week. A week. And that's going to expand come the summer and spring and summer. So how are we going to handle how we – I just became part of your corporation. How are we going to handle all this? <laughs> Who wants to take it, Saul? Uh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> well, 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 we have, Lisa we, okay. I'll take this one, Saul. Thanks. We have um, hundreds of riders. In fact, I just this morning met with a – school for uh, kids with autism right five minutes from our, our Lindenwood site, and they love to get involved with us. So the rider part is easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've raised money for to underwrite the lessons, and actually having our own horses and our own sites will, will bring our costs down a fair bit. Um, volunteers is a, is a key element, and uh, so in Lindenwood, we haven't ever been in that neighborhood. So we're going to be working to build connections with volunteers. We do work with high schools and with Kiwanis groups and corporate mm-hmm. corporate volunteer teams um, to, to make sure that we have um, volunteers to help us run our programs. So we're just going to, um, you know, as we have the money and the interest on the volunteers, we'll just keep on um, building the program. I think we'll probably... Our, our Lindenwood site doesn't have a covered arena, so it's weather dependent, but we'll okay. probably run, run our school groups there in the mornings. In Forest Hills, we're already running a couple hundred riders every week, so it's more of a question of uh, marginal uh, growth instead of a, starting a whole new site. Yeah. But again, we'll be getting the word out that um, we need more volunteers, and um, it, I don't think we'll have any problem filling the slots. It's um, Yeah, it's, I don't either. I don't either. What? How long is a lesson? It's half an hour. Uh, most of our riders really don't have the attention span or the strength for for more than that. So we are able to to, and we usually have three kids riding at a time. So we are able to get quite a few kids through in an afternoon, which is good. It's it's intense, um, but it's good. The um, do you expect a parent to volunteer? 
No, um, we don't. Um, but we do have parents that volunteer, as, as right. Saul is one example. Sure. Uh, and we've had parents who have volunteered with fundraising um, and, and you know, skilled skilled. Um, volunteer yeah, it's not just all writing volunteer. You have a board, you have a, a nonprofit. So you're going to be doing fundraising activities. You're going to be doing all kinds of things that people can get involved with depending upon their skill levels and talents, right? You know, we have administrative work. We have um, writing. You know, there's marketing, newsletter writing. There's there's events, parties, um, horse work. We have a lot of volunteers who are interested in, in exercising the horses and caring for the horses. So there's plenty of opportunities to get involved. Um, and uh, a lot of parents do, but again, a lot of our parents are really in quite stressful uh, environments um, yeah. caring for children. So we don't really um, expect to see too much of that. Many times when they're there, they'll come in and help, which is great, um, often a great help. But I think when you, when you have the success, like Saul, you've had such success with your daughter that you just kind of want to go out and shout to the world, come on, you do I it too. Shout. I've been <laughs> yeah. for years. Yeah, you know, I bet. For, for the people listening, um, the fact that we're in New York City and Sunrise Stables that's uh, near Howard Beach and Lindenwood, it's it's seven acres, I mean, of, of beautiful land, you know, with a large ring, turnout fields. So if anybody wants to come by, say hi, play with the horses, please. In Forest Hills, we're, we're a couple of blocks from Forest Park. Forest Park is a gorgeous park. We have a four and a half mile pristine manicured bridal path through the park that when some of your listeners are able to, you know, go for a walk in the park, it's, it's like you're anywhere in the woods in the United States. It's, um, it's, a, it's a fun place to be. It's a rewarding place to, to, to get involved in. And uh, if you're in New York or around, you know, and this sounds like, like, like it's something that you're interested, come on down. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to replicate that in your city, maybe they can reach out and you might have some good advice for them. We're very happy to help. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. very happy to help. We're, we're, yeah. we're believers, and we'd love to see this yeah. everywhere. I love it. Can you tell us what, um, Alicia, tell us what hippotherapy is. I know that's on the PATH program. So hippotherapy is um, comes from the Greek word for horse, which is hippo, like oh, okay. um, hippodrome is sometimes a word you see for a race course. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hippotherapy is very, very much what we do, but it is performed by a physical therapist, a registered physical therapist who has been trained uh, okay. in using the horse as a physical therapy tool. Mm-hmm. And it's much more focused on physical therapy type exercises where we're more focused on learning to ride. They both kind of come together with the same benefit, but um, the focus is quite different. And you'll, in hippotherapy, you'll have the physical therapist walking alongside the rider and going through the exercises, whereas nice. we'll have a traditional instructor in the middle of the arena teaching a lesson to the three riders. So it's a just different approach, different payment mechanism. Um, the physical hippotherapy is eligible for insurance reimbursement, so that's a little helpful. Um, and but we've had riders start with hippotherapy and go into therapeutic riding. We've had riders who are in therapeutic riding who are our hippotherapy expert, our physical therapist um, who does hippotherapy has come and given us advice on. So it's a, a fairly fluid, um, happy relationship between the two disciplines. Uh, I like it. 
I like it a lot. You, um, I wanted to ask you again, as an auxiliary New York City Parks Enforcement Mounted Patrol officer, <laughs> what do we call you, Officer Kershaw? Yes. Um, what what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really, it's, it is really fun. Um, we, really, we are park rangers. Um, it would be the most, um, most, the, 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 the concept that people would most connect to. Um, we we go on patrols um, on huge, I mean, ginormous Clydesdales in Central Park, in Van Cortlandt Park, and in a park in Staten Island. Um, it's partly patrolling for its own sake. It's partly to keep the horses fit so that they're available for events like parades, the marathon. Um, the, the parks enforcement patrol officers are not police and they don't carry guns. And then we're auxiliary. So we're, like I say, really park rangers, but it's a huge amount of fun. I, you get a, particularly in central park. Um, I, I like to say I'm in about 10,000 tourist photographs from the hip yeah. <laughs> I, bet. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I love it. Has, it. Oh, it so much it hasn't done much for my riding seat, though, because these horses are so enormous. It's like sitting yeah. on a sofa. So I actually I need to get back on something smaller and get my seat back. <laughs> but they're sweet. They're sweet. I love that. That's great. Oh, they are the sweetest horses. They are just so calm and uh, lovely. And, uh, now, there, you sent me a picture, and, and it's our promo picture of you with a horse. Is that your own horse? Uh, no, that's one of our that's one of our. Um, I mean, that's sorry, Gallop's horse. Yes, that I think that picture is Sydney, who yes. is actually a horse we leased for us um, from a summer camp. So okay. we have uh, two ponies and occasionally a horse that are work at a summer camp in the summer, and then we take them on a lease in the winter, fall, winter, spring. And um, that particular horse was a big favorite of mine, but he was quite bratty. So um, we didn't invite him back. <laughs> oh, okay. How and so the average age of the, of horses, the horses that you're working with? Yeah. Oh, um, well over fifteen. Yeah. Are um, the ponies are probably in their late twenties? Oh wow. Um, yeah, and um, I you think don't find are, the ponies nasty? I always found ponies are kind of nasty. They bite you. They. <laughs> Ponies can be nasty. We used to work with a pony named Marshmallow, who I always said was the worst named pony ever because <laughs> of the fact that he was white and fluffy. There was nothing yeah. about nothing sweet about him. <laughs> but our ponies are lovely. We have a great little um, halflinger pony who yeah. is just um, just a great pony. And then we have these two little Shetland types. I don't know what they are really that are just little workhorses. They just go, 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 and they're sweet as can be. So, yeah, that's and, great. So, Gallup, New York City. What does success look like for Gallup? Um, we aim to have a full-time therapeutic riding program in every borough of New York City. Uh, yeah. There is one in Staten Island, so we might let them take that that borough. Uh, we want to make therapeutic riding accessible to as many people as we possibly can, and really to everyone that would like to ride in New York City. Um, is there have you have you done a book or done anything Saul maybe um, around the I'm going to call them the, the the little miracles that have happened with the kids who've been riding the speaking the walking the leg opening the all of that 
We have on our on our blog. Um, I have something that we call success stories. Okay. So so when we have um, a rider uh, accomplish something and we've got a picture of it, and you know it doesn't always. Yeah. Sometimes it's a fleeting moment, but when we can, we um, we put that on our blog and and celebrate uh, the rider's success. So you've been there a long time from the beginning. So yeah, what what what, what's your vision for for you know if you could wave your magic wand, what would how would Gallup change? Well, there are two hundred thousand children in New York City with an IEP, and I know that the Board of Ed would love it if we could help every one of them. Yeah, maybe maybe um. Oh, I'm going to be politically incorrect right now. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and it's also amazing. Don't. <laughs> no, I'm not to see do what it. happens with with uh, our, our our veterans that come. It, mm-hmm. It's amazing to see the bond between um, gentlemen. How many veterans do you have? Oh, it's I'm, probably a dozen at any one time. It's a small program. Um, okay. A lot of. The veterans we've worked with are transitioning from homelessness, and it's a very challenging uh, um, group to work with. But the ones who to connect to it do extraordinarily well with it. And we have one veteran who wants to become an instructor himself, which would be fantastic. That, that is right. fantastic. And so it's Gallup, we have we've only got a minute, so I just want to make sure we get your website in. GallupNewCity.org? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Just Google Gallup NYC, G-A-L-L-O-P NYC, and you will find us uh, uh, easily. And uh, everything you need to know is on the website. There's a volunteer sign-up page. We would love that. And, um, you know, you can you can email us as well, info at gallupnyc.org, whatever you want to do to get in touch with us. A Facebook, you can Facebook us. Just face, search on Facebook for Gallup NYC. You'll find us. Awesome. Alicia, thank you, Saul. Thank you. We got to say goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Feet into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time. And always remember. Don't, 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 don't stop.